Hi, my name is Kay Martinez, the director of Masterpieces Jet Set Radio Future, and you're listening to The Sega Lounge. Welcome to the Sega Lounge, where we celebrate our love for all things Sega, including the games, the music, and the community. I'm your host, KC. Join me as I talk to different guests and learn more about their projects and passion for Sega. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Sega Lounge. I hope you're all doing well and enjoying yourselves. I'm really excited about this week's episode. I'm a big Jet Set Radio fan and have played the original countless times ever since I first got it for my Sega Dreamcast over 20 years ago. Wow, I'm old. It's one of my go-to comfort games, if I'm being honest. I only recently played Jets of Radio Future, and it's a massively different experience. In many ways, while my nostalgia won't always allow me to admit it, Future is an improvement on the original. I do enjoy the more linear, arcadey gameplay of the original, but I can see why so many people still crave for a re-release of the Xbox Classic to modern systems. While idly browsing Reddit a couple of months ago, I found a post about a documentary on Jesset Radio Future. It was a trailer, but it piqued my interest, and I added a note to my potential guests list to remind myself to get in touch with the creator of the film when it eventually got released. Fast forward to a few days ago, and a new episode of the Sega Lounge was being recorded. Which leads us to this week's guest. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking to the talented Kay Martinez, creator and director of Masterpieces Jet Set Radio Future a brand new documentary about Sega's Xbox Classic, which is now available for everyone to watch on YouTube. Kay was a delight to talk to, and they shared some details on the making of the documentary and why Jet Set Radio Future is so important to them and a wide community of fans around the world. Definitely a must-listen. Hello Kay, welcome to the Sega Lounge. Hello, welcome, and thank you for having me. Why am I yeah. telling you welcome? I'm the one who's the guest. <laughs> I, I'm also welcome here at your home, studio, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> I'm, I'm so used to interviewing people the past few months. I'm just on autopilot. Yeah, it, it, it gets kind of weird when it, we're on the other end, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so, okay, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to... to have a little chat with me um, about this wonderful documentary about Chats of Radio Future. Before we get into that, let's get to know Kay Martinez a little bit better, shall we? So would you tell us a little bit about how you got into video games and how important they were for you? Sure. Growing up um, and everything. So I've been playing video games for as long as I can remember. Um, I was just actually thinking about this the other day, how one of my you know how sometimes you smell something and it's like one of the most vivid memories you could have so my most vivid memory with a smell is every time I smell rubbing alcohol 
I immediately think of the NES cartridges and my dad cleaning them out with rubbing alcohol. So <laughs> every time I smell it, I think of uh, the NES. But um, yeah, so that was my first console. Um, but growing up, I always loved Nintendo and Sega. Um, but I didn't really discover my deep love for Sega and the Dreamcast and just a lot of the games they have to offer until I got older. Um, and that was when I randomly came across a Dreamcast at an auction for like $5 and that changed my life. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in a farm town. Uh, so gaming wasn't, or gaming was an escape for me and my friends. Um, there wasn't really anything to do there. So whenever we wanted to have fun, you know, we play some stuff online. Um, it kind of became, I guess you could say like an escape and uh, developed like a deep love for world building uh, within me mm -hmm. and really inspired me to study game design, virtual, virtual reality development and multimedia production. Okay, excellent. So you're probably a little bit younger than me, judging from the things that you mentioned. Uh, <laughs> not much, but maybe a little bit. Um, so when did you discover the Dreamcast, by the way? You said at an auction. By... So I was I was aware of it when I was a kid, but I just never got around to playing it. And okay. uh, when I discovered it at an auction, that was probably like around 2012 or something like that. Um, and I had already played Jet Set Radio Future on the Xbox, you know, like 10 years mm. before. I just wasn't aware of Jet Set Radio and hadn't really played the first one yet. Um, so when I had got that Dreamcast, that was the first thing I wanted to do. That and uh, Shenmue, of course. Excellent. Good good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Good shout. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Um, and so what would you say if you had like a gun to your head and you had to pick like a top three, top five of mm -hmm. all time favorite games. D don't have to be Sega. You can choose whatever games you okay. like. Which ones would you pick? Um, Jet Set Radio Future definitely would be <laughs> number one. <gasps> Shock. Shock. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would have to say in that top five would also be probably... Skyrim, just because it's a timeless classic, it, I feel like that's a game I could go back to years and years and years later and still have just as much fun, uh, especially with the modding community. They tend to, you know, breathe new life into it every now and again. Um, in addition, probably Super Mario 3D World. I feel like that is the best Mario game ever. It's got just all the best aspects of all the different Mario games all in one. And there's so much replay value. Um, but outside of that, uh, maybe Breath of the Wild as well. Um, that just to me is also another timeless classic. If you can't tell, mm -hmm. I'm a fan of RPGs, open world RPGs. So, um, But as for a fifth one, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll just leave it at a top four for now. Top four. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yeah. How excited are you for Tears of the Kingdom, by the way? So excited. Oh, my God. I like I'm trying not to get too excited because I don't want to like be disappointed, but I don't think I'm going to because <laughs> it almost feels like Breath of the Wild was a test demo for what they really wanted to do. And considering it ran so smoothly on even the Wii U, 
I can only imagine what this one's going to be like fully optimized for the Switch. So yeah, mm. pretty excited. I'm a little bit like you. I think I, I'm, I'm hyped, but I, I'm trying to not be overhyped. Yeah. I, I mean, is it, will it be different? Will it be more of the same? Will it be even better? I yeah. Let's just wait it out and, and see. Definitely, when the time especially comes. for a game that you're like revisiting the same world, but it's just kind of you're going to be looking at it in a different light. You kind of really don't know what to expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on brand for the Sega Lounge. So anyway. on brand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of Nintendo as well, and I'm I'm really yeah. I'm really a fan of Breath of the Wild. Probably one mm -hmm. of my my top five as well of all time, if I'm being honest. So really hyped. Anyway, let's let's keep going with the Sega talk. So you mentioned uh, getting the Dreamcast, playing Jesse Radio. So you played the games in the. Uh, yeah. Reverse order, if you yeah. Will. I I only just played uh, Jesse Radio Future like um, a few months ago, actually oh, for okay. the first time. I'm very curious. What, what's it's like to to just go back to the original and after experiencing the other one, the sequel, which is not really a sequel, not really a reboot. It's like it's it's, own a, it's thing. a remix. Yeah, a remix. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. How. What's it like from the perspective of a massive fan of the of the second game? Uh, well, I have to say it's interesting because I know so many people started with the first game and going into the second game, being that it is a remix and it is going in a different route and it has a completely different take on the game mechanics, the art style, the world, everything. Um, I know for people who start in the first game and they go to the second one, it can be kind of a shock uh and uh, it, it, it's the same thing the other way around as well uh, but <laughs> uh i think it's a little different because i started with future on the xbox and i wouldn't have even have known of it if it had not come with the xbox um and just kind of having that open world at the time it is kind of like an open world i guess you could say it is a little bit more limited but for a video game in 2002. This is, if I recall correctly, before Grand Theft Auto 3. And this still had its own open world. And it just, I don't know, it was very impressive. And I think the main thing that I noticed the most when going back and trying out Jet Set Radio for the first time was the fact that you're timed. And yeah. that was the biggest difference to me because I was so used to having the time of my life in Jet Set Radio Future, taking my sweet time, just soaking in the environment, just being able to look at everything and just have fun. And then all of a sudden going to Jet Set Radio, I'm like, okay, I got to do this in this amount of time. I got to hurry up. You know, there's a lot more pressure to it. Um, but that said, it, it does fit the game though. The timer does fit for the first game. You know, it, it has a, a purpose to it. Um, but yeah, I would say that was probably the biggest difference. And um, also, it was just really interesting to see that world from a perspective that's not as futuristic as JSRF. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the original is more of an arcade type game, right? With yeah, time stages, you have like your time limit. Um, I was one of the things that surprised me about from the, you know, the whole. 
look, the, the whole aesthetic of the game is is completely different. But the, um, I assumed that the stages were like self-contained in a way, like in the original, you had a stage, you played it, you completed your objective and you would go back to the garage. And then in the original, if you wandered off the map and you reached the limit, you would see like a big arrow saying exit, right? And mm -hmm. I assumed that was the deal with Chess of Radio Future as well. But then I saw what? It indicated that you could go to another area mm -hmm. of the, 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 mm -hmm. the, the open world, right? And that was a big uh, shock to me as a JSR yeah. fan. Well, you can go to move to another area and just keep mm -hmm. going. What about the objective here? What about the you know uh, finishing this level? Mm -hmm. So a bit different, right? So I'm yeah. I'm guessing going back to the original from uh, experiencing the, the the sequel first, probably. It yeah it it, it did make it well. feel a little bit. Um, limiting to an mm -hmm. extent because mm -hmm. you're so used to that that freedom in jsrf and then going into jsr it's like like you're saying it is more arcadey so i feel like if you go into jet set radio from jsrf with the knowledge that it is more of an arcade type game um it's a lot more enjoyable that way if you're going into it with the expectation of the freedom of jsrf you you might be a little disappointed <laughs> so <laughs> but um yeah no more i have like, more like a pick up and play and, and for for a little bit it's not a very long yeah. game either if exactly you, all things considered and you can mm -hmm. actually keep replaying it because you you yeah. finish the game and you can start over yeah yeah so exactly it's a different perspective different kind for of sure game. yeah definitely i i really did enjoy the uh the freedom of the exploration in JSRF though. And honestly, mm -hmm. I feel like that's what made it the most unique to me. There's a lot of differences between the two games, but to me, that's the, probably the biggest one. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And so you mentioned um, studying game development. Uh, you're making documentaries as well now. So would you like to tell us a little bit about your like academic and professional background and what led you to wanting to create a documentary first of sure. all? Sure. Uh, so I studied film production in high school and that really changed my life. Uh, I had an amazing mentor. Uh, his name is Jim Sill. He was um, just an incredible teacher who really believed in his students and really opened a lot of doors for us and gave us the right skills to you know create the visions that we we had and bring them and make them like real in the real world and uh i don't know i've just i've always had a passion for art and art of all forms and video games movies everything that is a form of visual art has captivated me and so as i was getting older going into college i jumped back and forth from different um I guess you could say just different courses and different focuses of study. I originally was doing it just for the skills. And then more recently I went back to school to get a degree. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I started, I went from film production in high school to studying game design in college and virtual reality development. And that was probably like around, I don't know, 2015 or something. Um, and then Later, uh, after doing like freelance multimedia production for a while, I went back and 
am now majoring in business and multimedia. So it just kind of all came together. I kind of have my hands in a lot of different mediums and yeah, I just, I love all of them. It's so hard to focus on just one. So um, I don't know. I think this whole project though came together during the peak of the pandemic and just rediscovering Jet Set Radio Future. And uh, yeah, and I, I just really saw the attention and love and care that was put into the game in a different light that I had never seen before. And I wanted to capture that and I wanted to share that with people. Okay, excellent. That's great. And as you said, you you really you are a bit of a check of all trades as well, right? So I, I saw your website and all of your credits and things that you do. So you're keeping busy. Oh, yes, all the time. <laughs> I'm always working on some kind of creative project. I can't not. I, I, I feel like something is breaking within me if I'm not working on a creative project. So, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So you mentioned the pandemic. Did you end up like sitting down and revisiting JSRF? Yeah, yeah. So, um with JSRF, um, I guess I can start from just like how the idea came about with the documentary. And mm -hmm. it was, I kind of have a complicated relationship with Jet Set Radio Future. Um, this will be very brief, but a little personal. Uh, the game was a bit of a safe haven for me as a kid uh, because it kind of became an escape from a lot of traumatic things that were happening in my home at the time. And... So I developed a very bittersweet relationship with it. It, uh, I, I had a love for it that was very intricate, um, but it was more so just the fact that it really encouraged creativity, self-expression, be who you are, and to use your voice however you see fit. And on the other hand, it also became a vivid reminder of that time period of my life so mm -hmm. as i got older and i grew away from uh the original xbox and that game um i just kind of didn't subconsciously didn't want to think about it anymore just because it reminded me too much of that time period and come 2020 uh, i built my own gaming pc uh for gaming and video editing and uh, wanted to make sure it could handle whatever i threw at it and I ended up discovering the CXBX Xbox emulator and saw what people were doing with Jet Set Radio Future on there. And if people aren't familiar with an emulator, uh, basically is a software on a PC that allows you to repl replicate or emulate a um, video game console. And you can kind of experience the games in their raw state, um, which also allows you to upscale the game. And so seeing the game in a whole new light and now in my own safe space that I've created for myself, um, it's, I don't know, it was just kind of life-changing because I was now seeing this game that I had only previously experienced in that tainted controlled environment, um, but also only experienced on like a tube TV on the original yeah. Xbox <laughs> with the, the limitations of that hardware and now revisiting it on 
uh, PC in 4K running at like 144 hertz. It was just mind blowing. It the, the colors, the graphics, the attention to detail, and the textures and the the art style. There were so many details that I had never noticed before, and yeah. so seeing that, I went online and I wanted to look up if there were any form of uh, videos in like documentary style talking about this game. And I was really curious about the making of this game. And there was little to no content out there covering this game. You know, of course there are like retrospectives and analysis and reviews of the game, but in terms of really doing like deep dives behind the making of it, I couldn't seem to find like what I wanted to see. So I just said, you know, F it, I'm going <laughs> to make the documentary I want to see. So yeah. <laughs> that's what I did. Awesome. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. You're right. So when you, we, and that's the, the thing about many of these Japanese made games that we don't really get that much access to information to the people who made them. Mm -hmm. So that probably limits whatever information is out there for people who are curious about the projects to, to learn more about them. Yeah. So that's that leads to another question. So you already mentioned how the idea came to be. How hard was it to get all the people that you got involved with with this to actually say yes, to contact them, to get them to say yes? Yeah, that entire process was probably one of the most time consuming aside from editing. Um, just because it was a matter of doing the research to find uh, where and how to contact certain people. Mm -hmm. Pretty much every single person that you find in the credits of that game, I tried to contact and I uh, sent out emails and requests to do so. And uh, a lot of them just kind of fell off the map. Like it's really hard to find out, you know, who they are, where they are now. Um, but there are still quite a bit who are very busy at Sega and I you know, want to respect their, their privacy and their time and make sure that, you know, I'm not harassing them to be part of this <laughs> random fan documentary. Uh, but at the same time, I felt it was very important to hear from people who worked on this game and really try to emphasize the, the love and care that went into it. And uh, while I didn't get any developers on video for this documentary, um, I did do some interviews over email with um, some developers and I'm saving that for later videos. Um, but also just in terms of contacting like uh, Richard Jakes or Marty James, uh, who are both um, Richard Jakes is the composer, one of the composers of the soundtrack, and Marty James is one of the artists featured on the soundtrack. And both of them were more than willing, extremely helpful, and extremely supportive in, you know, showcasing this game and their work on it. And um, it was really a treat, especially talking to Richard Jakes, because I didn't know until the day I was doing the interview with him that that was the first time he had talked on video about his work on the games. And I was just like, this is amazing. You know, I would love to share this with the world. So, yeah, it was um, very, very difficult to an extent, but it was well worth it. Mm -hmm. I was actually surprised in, t in terms of the questions that you probably answered or asked. 
uh, the amount of knowledge he had about the whole process, mm-hmm. even in terms of how Hideki Naganuma created the soundtrack and how involved he was as well. I had yeah. no idea. I, I just assumed he had like, he was invited to make one or two tracks and didn't know about all the rest, but he was, as you actually showed in, in the documentary, he was involved in the process. They exchanged notes in terms of the tracks they were working yeah. on. That's, that's really nice. Yeah, really definitely. There's a lot of uh, fun commentary that wasn't, uh, put in the documentary of his knowledge about the process and stuff as well. It's just, there's, there was so much good content to fit in this documentary. <laughs> I had to limit it at some point, but, um, yeah, he, uh, had a lot of exchanges with Hideki in terms of, um, developing and understanding the overall composition of the songs that he needed to create and to get the tone right and to get the attitude right. Because, mm-hmm going into this game it wasn't just creating some funky beats again it was creating funky beats but in the future and they really took that to heart and uh yeah 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 that's one of the things that i i also uh was uh, more interested about when when watching the documentary because sometimes you know it's it's a great soundtrack we love the songs but we don't really give it much thought mm-hmm. and it's nice to see that there was really a reason why everything was how it was. All the songs were picked and which artists in, as well. I had no idea about the, the, you know, the link between the, this project and the Beastie Boys, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Never, never looked into it. So it's really nice to, to know these yeah. things now, thanks to your documentary. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I felt like the Beastie Boys involvement was so integral to the experience of the whole game itself. And it brought so much attitude to that world. Uh, It would have been a crime not to highlight that. (laughs) Awesome. And and speaking of the music, you spend, and it makes sense because it's a very big part of this world of both Jet Set Radio and Future. You spend a lot of time in your documentary, explaining um, the cultural aspect uh, involved in the soundtrack, right? So not just the the music, but the whole uh, culture of of the world of Jetson Radio. Um, why did you go so deep into this aspect of the the game? Sure. Uh, so the first reason is because I wasn't able to get as many developers involved as I thought I would. So I was like, <laughs> okay, if if I can't get them involved, then I'm going to go and focus and go all out on the people who were involved. So that's the first reason, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> limitations. <Okay. laughs> um, the second reason is because um, the music isn't just, uh, you know, it's not just fun beats that you're skating to. It is as Wooly says in the documentary, it's when you're composing that soundtrack, you're composing the sounds that these characters hear in their everyday life. You know, it's a part of the experience of making it feel immersive. And not only that, it's not just what you're hearing, but these scenes that these genres of music came from not only inspired the overall music composition of the soundtrack but it inspired the fashion it inspired the art style it inspired the architecture of the um 
the city that you're skating in. It's there's so many little elements there that all coincide and overlap and just having that many do that and do it so seamlessly was just I don't know. It was really amazing to me and I feel like when people think of Jet Set Radio Future or just Jet Set Radio the series in general one of the first things you think of is the soundtrack. It's it's just such a huge part of the game and the gameplay experience and uh yeah, so I knew going into this that I at least wanted to do half of the documentary or some something like that focused on the music and how those scenes inspired so many aspects of the game itself and not just the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, awesome. Um so for people who haven't watched the documentary yet and not wanting to spoil the thing cuz people should just watch it, but <laughs> mm -hmm. who can they expect uh to see in the documentary? Sure. Or some uh, of the so highlights. Definitely. Um, so you can definitely expect to see Richard Jakes and him talking about his experience with the development of the soundtrack. Um, he did about three tracks for JSRF, and he talks a little bit about the few tracks that he did on Jet Set Radio as well and his involvement with Hideki Naganuma. Um, in addition, you can also expect to see Marty James, the lead singer of Scapegoat Wax, who did a track that was licensed by Grand Royal and uh, Hideki picked that track to be featured on the soundtrack. Um, but And he even explains the story behind. He really track. does. So, yes. He really it's, does. <laughs> it's really fun. It's, he's, he's a very uh, silly guy. He's really, he's really fun to talk to. Um, he, he brings uh, a lot of humor to the documentary, thankfully. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, aside from them, I also wanted to make sure to feature anybody and everyone who, want, first of all, wanted to participate and be on camera, but also people who this game has had an impact on their life because that was another huge part of this story was showing how 20 years later, a game without a remake, remaster, or port to current consoles is still inspiring people across the globe and it's had such a huge impact on their lives and the things that they do but yeah i wanted to make sure to feature content creators and artists of all types who have been greatly inspired by this game and who have had this game change their life and some of those people are uh Tumelo, who is a uh, video game composer but also just a music artist as well and a lot of his own original music, he, you know, talks a little bit about how it's inspired his music. He has two albums that are basically tributes to both Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Radio Future. Uh, he has a lot of knowledge about the inspirations behind the game as well, and he shares those. But it, in addition to Tumelo, uh, everybody from... Wooly Madden, who is also another content creator who loves Jet Set Radio, um, to Aladream, uh, who is a Twitch streamer, uh, Black Princess Peach, another Twitch streamer, but she's also a 3D artist who does um, 3D models that are inspired by the art style of Jet Set Radio. Um, yeah, so I have quite a few different people in there giving different takes. 
Um, also have DJ Chidao, who is another music artist who's greatly inspired by the music of Jet Set Radio Future. So mm-hmm. it's a it's an interesting mix of people who all bring their own take and their own um, commentary and just knowledge about the series. And you can really feel their passion for the game and what they're saying. And I really wanted to make sure to capture that. Definitely. And I think you did very well. That's great. So if you could pick, and I'm not letting you choose Hideki Naganuma, but <laughs> if there were there, like one person that you would really, really wanted to see in the documentary, but unfortunately you couldn't get a hold of or didn't agree to, Hideki Naganuma, I know, but... Yes. Apart from that, <laughs> apart from that, believe me, I tried. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. But uh, apart from Hideki Naganuma, which is an obvious choice, is there anyone you really, really would have wanted to see in the documentary that you couldn't get it, get on it, or get a hold of, or something? Yes, and I'm very glad you asked me that question because the number one person I wanted to interview was. Uh, Ryuta Ueda, the art director of both Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Radio Future. Um, because to me, just the more I was going into doing research for this, the more I was falling down a rabbit hole and realizing how much information uh, about the making of this game was inaccessible. And mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff to me that would have been the most important visually would be concept art or just stories about how the character evolution came to be from Jet Set Radio to Jet Set Radio Future. And just yeah. a lot of things like that, or even just the the transition of um, the story from Jet Set Radio to Jet Set Radio Future. And yeah, so I did try to contact him. I did not hear back from him until two days after releasing the documentary. Uh, <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'm assuming Hideki sent it his way or something because it was like okay. right after Hideki posted about the documentary. Um, and yeah, so then he, he messaged me and he's like, he's like, sorry, I just saw your message. And, uh, but he said he liked the documentary, but he said he's also open to doing an interview. Um, so Hopefully, I can lock that in in the future, but I think it's just a matter of getting clearance from Sega in case he's yeah. working on any current Jetset Radio projects, maybe. I so. don't know. There's <laughs> been rumors. There certainly has. And you mentioned uh, future videos as well, because you, you heard back from some people that agreed to, to text, to email interviews, so we can expect more content in the future. Yes. Um, So in terms of future works, um, so this documentary is titled Masterpieces, Jet Set Radio Future. So Mm -hmm. the plan is to eventually have a series of full-length documentaries titled Masterpieces, whatever. Um, And it won't be limited to just video games. It'll be documentaries focusing on stories from anywhere and everywhere. Um, So... There will be more video games, of course, but it won't be limited to that. But aside from that, in terms of like Jet Set Radio content, uh, there was so much bonus content and um, interviews to share about the Jet Set Radio series that I'm currently trying to put into production a docu-series in a similar style to this documentary that Mm -hmm. will cover a lot of stuff that just either didn't fit into the documentary or... Um, I was able to do afterwards. And hopefully that okay. will include the interview with Ryuta Ueda, but we'll see. 
Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, that yeah. would be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Any interesting stories that you would like to share or you can share about the, the making of this, this documentary? Because I imagine, so how long, by the way, from the inception, the, the idea to the final product and uh, posting of the video on YouTube, how long was the whole process? Uh, probably about like a year and a half to two years, something like that. Um, it originally just started as a video essay, just wanting to make a 30-minute video about my love for the game, kind of a retrospective, whatever. But the more I worked on it and the more I did research, the more I started realizing there's so much information that people just either haven't covered or that has been inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Um, but also screening it for people, just that 30-minute video, I started realizing like there's so many people who have no idea what this game is. And I wanted to make sure to make this content accessible to them as well. And so that way, you know, people who have never heard of this game could be exposed to it and know what it is and know of its existence. Uh, But yeah, so in terms of just like the time period, about a year and a half Mm -hmm. developed from a video essay into full length documentary over time just because it kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper and eventually i was just like okay this just needs to be its own thing (laughs) presenting the game as it is to people with brand new eyes uh, but also still tapping into the nostalgia factor Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of just like interesting stories behind the production um like I said, the more research I did, the more I realized there was so much there that could be tapped into. And uh, I had no idea about the Shibuya K genre or Parliament Funkadelic before going into this documentary. And the more research I did, the more I realized how integral those just scenes were to inspiring so much of this game. And uh, yeah, so... Um, other than that, anything that went horribly wrong. Ooh, there's plenty <laughs> of things that went horribly wrong. <laughs> plenty. <laughs> um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just say the whole thing was edited on Adobe Premiere Pro. I have a lot of experience with Adobe, but Premiere Pro is the biggest pain in the butt ever. <laughs> and Adobe tech support is pretty much non-existent. So the problems that I ran into were never solved. So I would just be in the middle of editing and then all of a sudden just get some random error and then the whole thing crashes. So that happened a bunch of times. So I had to like create my own process for making sure everything was secured, preparing for that crash. Oh Um, God. Yeah, not fun. (laughs) But... um, (laughs) Aside from that, I did uh, discover a lot of fans had uploaded like 3D models of these characters. And I realized one thing that would be really fun to elevate the visual experience of the documentary is to include those. So mm-hmm. I ended up teaching myself Unreal Engine 5 specifically to get B-roll shots of these 3D models. And that was so much fun. Um that software, unlike Adobe, works flawlessly. It's very smooth. <laughs> so it was it was really nice uh, 
getting those shots and being able to see those characters in a slightly like updated point of view, I guess you could say. Um, but other than that, I mean, the only other like anecdote I would have is a lot of the random fun facts that I came across about this game and like the making of it, the launch of it. There's so many weird facts about this game that didn't make it into there. And one of my favorite ones is that apparently when Sega was launching the game in Japan, they did a promotional event, which was <laughs> distributing Jet Set Radio Future toilet paper throughout the bathrooms of Shibuya. <laughs> and that to me just cracks <laughs> me up. I'm just like, if I could get my hands on one of those toilet paper rolls, that would be amazing. Yeah, that, that would. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine having that. At the, the, like the height of the pandemic. I know. Like, oh my God. Not just holy toilet grail. paper, but just a really future toilet paper. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's really, that's really a Japanese thing. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I, I didn't know, I, I wasn't aware, I think, at least I don't remember a, a, ever seeing anything about it, but that the game was not that successful in, in Japan, which for on one hand makes sense because the Xbox mm-hmm, never really mm-hmm. was a big thing in, yeah. in Japan. But uh, on the other hand, I, I wasn't aware that uh, maybe part of it could be the like the decline of uh, the genre, the culture mm-hmm. of Shibuya K, right? Like you, you mentioned in the documentary, and that probably could have uh, influenced the, the lack of success of the game. Yeah, over yeah. There. And I didn't realize that until I had talked to Andrew Nakaska, a um, fellow YouTuber, content creator, who he's an expert uh, about the Shibuya K genre, uh, Japanese city pop, stuff like that. And I just started a conversation with him. And the more that we talked about it, the more I started realizing, I'm like, this probably had a huge impact on why mm-hmm. the game didn't do successfully in Japan. Um, but... Yeah, so while it wasn't officially stated, it does really feel like the decline of that stylistic approach of sampling from cultures around the world and putting it together in this like really alternative um, take was just kind of becoming way too mainstream at the time. Mm-hmm. And by the time of like early 2000s, it was extremely mainstream. Um, which eventually did lead to the de- the decline of the genre itself. And, uh, you know, I don't think people outside of Japan knew about that because Shibuya K isn't really known outside of Japan that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I feel like that did have a, a impact on it. But like you said, I do think a huge part of it was the fact that it was put on the original Xbox. Um, I didn't realize how much Microsoft had pushed for the Xbox in Japan. Like I knew they did, but the more I researched, the more I was just like, they were really, really trying to make this like a leading platform in Japan and nobody was buying into it. And how much they failed. (laughs) I know it's crazy. It is crazy. And Um, if you look, I think um, I'm really don't really don't know much about it, but from like an outsider's perspective, I think no there is no other Xbox console since then that, you know, if you look at the catalog, that 
try to cater to the Japanese audience like the original one and still definitely right? so <laughs> yeah 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 Xbox sometimes just feels like Dreamcast 2.0 and everything after that just feels a hundred percent Americanized yeah I couldn't For agree sure. more with that for sure yeah Excellent. Okay, you were ready for this, in a way. Um, <laughs> you, you, since we arranged for this interview, you, you emailed me trivia, trivia, trivia. <laughs> I don't know what trivia is. I have no idea. We don't do that over here on the Sega Lounge. But what we do uh, always have is the Sega Lounge Challenge. Now that you know our guests, it's time to put them to the test. It's the moment we've waited for, and the moment they dread. Welcome to your doom. I mean, welcome to the Sega Lounge Challenge. <laughs> this week, instead of trivia, boring, uh, and since, <laughs> and since uh, the documentary focuses so much on music, Mm-hmm. We're going to have a musical challenge of sorts. Okay. okay. I call it <clears throat> the roulette of funk. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really just a, a, a fancy name for a simple challenge that I have to propose mm. to you. So I have 10-second 10, 10 long clips of songs, some from the Jet Set Radio series, some from other Sega games. Probably some easier than others to identify, I don't know. But they all probably sound like they could belong to the Jesser Radio series. Okay. In okay. a way. So my challenge, I think, will be quite easy for you, uh, but will be to identify out of all these 10, which ones are indeed Jesser Radio and which ones are not. Okay. Bonus points, not points, but like respect if you can tell me uh, which Jezza Radio game they're from uh, or which Sega game they're from, if you can identify them. Okay. 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 Think you're up for it? Um, I'm up for it. I cannot guarantee I will get them all right. That is for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> being you, really, on... you really had no other choice. <laughs> no. Either way, I, I so really it, you really have to do it. So Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, but what you can do... <laughs> <laughs> is pick a number. So if okay. you you if you want to, we can go one to ten, or you can just go randomly pick a number and tell me which mm. one you want first. Six. Number six. Okay, this is a, a good one. I'm gonna say that about all of them. Let's try. To, <laughs> oh, but this is actually re a really good one. Let's let's take a listen. <laughs> So the question is, Jesser Radio or not? Um, <laughs> I feel like people are going to come after me if I say not, and it is. But uh, I know that's not in Jesser Radio Future. That's for sure. Um, okay. 
I don't know for sure if it's in Jet Set Radio. I don't believe it is. So I'm going to say no. I believe it's in a different game. Does it sound like it could be from Jet Set Radio? It does, yes. It definitely feels like the same vibe, yeah. But at the same time, throughout my time researching and playing the games, I don't remember that one. I don't know. (laughs) So your answer is... This no, it's going to be Chester horrible Ray? if I get this wrong. But yes, I'm saying no. Yeah, you're saying no. Mm-hmm. So this is a track by a certain DJ by the name of Skank Funk. Oh yes, I know who Skank Funk is. <laughs> <laughs> Some people call him the Funky Uncle, and other things. Your answer is. Correct. Correct. Yay. <laughs> this is this was Vendor Pop from Yakuza 5. Ah, Actually, okay. He, yeah, he did a track uh, for Yakuza 5 as well. But it really sounds like something yes. that could be uh, in jazz radio. But no, well done. One point, one correct answer. So number six is done. What's next? Um, three. Number three. Okay. Number three. Good choice as well. I do not believe that's a Jet Set Radio song, but it definitely sounds like a Sega song, like a million percent. I cannot <laughs> say which game, but it does sound like a Sega song. It definitely is. They're all Sega songs. Yes, so. I know. I know. I'm on the so, Sega Lounge. Why wouldn't you. they be? <laughs> so you're saying no. No Jets of Radio. No, no Jets of Radio. So you're saying two tracks in a row. You'd be lucky enough to get two non Jets of Radio. Or unlucky. I don't know. Or unlucky. To get two in a row. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm, I feel more confident in saying no to this one than the first one. But... Okay. Again, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be very surprised. Okay. So your answer is correct. Yes. This is from the very recent Sonic Frontiers. Oh, it's called okay. Fog Funk. Fog oh, Funk. Oh, nice. I didn't know and when I first heard this, uh, yeah, when I heard this song, especially the, the beginning, not this part especially, but the, the, the beginning of the song, I thought, whoa. Is this a Hideki Naganuma track? Did he work on this game? But, but no, it's not. Uh, but sounds inspired by, maybe. Definitely. It also very much sounds like a Sonic song. Yeah. I think I think that's what gave it away for me, that it wasn't a Jet Set Radio song. Probably. Probably. Okay. So two out of two. Perfect. Uh, next one. Uh, um, one? Number six, three. Let's do... So. It's one through ten? Yes. Uh, one. One. Okay. Yes, that is from Jet Set Radio Future. <laughs> She's smiling. Like yes. You're, like, <laughs> yes. Like you're 100% right. Yes, and I've heard that song. A million times playing that game. So yes, I know for sure. Or maybe we'll just say that that's just plain poppycock. 
I don't know. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. Oldies but happies from Chess of Radio Future. Good job. Certainly okay. an oldie but a goodie. Yes. <laughs> Good job. Three for three. So six, three, one. What's next, Kay? Mm, four. Four. Okay. Let's take a listen. Yo, it's like this when the law said, let it be like he also designated poetical brothers with mics for whoever had the skills to possess the gift. Combinated with the flavor and it go like this. Tuna, Tuna fish. I believe that is from Jet Set Radio, the first game. And I'm going to stick with that. Why? Um, because if I recall correctly, I believe that's Jurassic 5 and I remember them being part of the soundtrack. Could be. <laughs> That's what I'm sticking to. That's my answer. <laughs> You're sticking with it. Yes, sticking with it. Good job. Yes, yes, Jurassic 5. Improvise from Jessup Radio. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're crushing this. I knew it. I knew it. So let's keep it going. Almost halfway there. So 6314. What's next? I should have just did them in order so I could remember. Um, probably. Probably. <laughs> Let's do two. Two. Okay. Jet Set Radio Future. That is definitely from Jet Set Radio Future. It's too futuristic not to be from Jet Set Radio Future. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shape the future. Jet Set Radio Future. Yes. Yes. Correct. Okay. Halfway there. Can we get a perfect score? I think we can. Not sure. Let's, Let's see. see. Let's, Let's do see. five. Let's do five. Okay. That's interesting. Interesting choice. I would know those break beats anywhere. <laughs> that is What About the Future by Richard Jakes. What about it? Okay, what about it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, good job. I'm starting to think that I should have made this uh, an in-reverse game, all songs reversed. Next time, next time. Yeah, I was a little worried you were going to do that. <laughs> I thought about it, but then, uh, let's not be so cruel this time. <laughs> okay, okay. So six, three, one, four, two, five. So seven, eight, nine, ten are the remaining ones. Let's just go in order. Let's seven. go in order. Number seven. I do not believe that's from Jet Set Radio. I know it's not from Jet Set Radio Future. I'm going to say I don't know this for sure because I don't know this soundtrack 100%, but it sounds like it could be off of Ollie King um, or something similar. So I'm going to say no Jet Set Radio series. Final answer. Yeah, I do not believe it's in the Jet Set Radio series. What if I told you that this is Jet Set Radio Future? I would 
cry. <laughs> <laughs> no need to cry. It's not from Jensen Radio Future. No. no. Okay. Could it be from Jensen Radio, though? <laughs> it could be, but it almost sounds too... I don't know. There's something about it that doesn't sound like the music from the time period in which the Jet Set Radio soundtrack came out. I could be wrong, but it sounds a little bit uh, newer than that. You could be wrong. I could be. I could be. <laughs> and you are. Oh, you are wrong. Bon, bon. It's from Jet Set Radio. Yes, yes. This uh, is Patrol Knob. It's uh, it's it's definitely a little bit different. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, yes. It is from. I think the first time we hear this is in, is in a different. It's in the like the American part of the the game. Oh, I see. Like I the, see, yeah. the, the Grind City, I think. Yeah, Grind City. Um, and yeah, so different, definitely different. Womp womp. Okay, but still a, a, a very good. Score three left, eight, nine, and ten. Let's go in order. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Number eight. It sounds very Jet Set Radio. It sounds very Jet Set. I know it's not Jet Set Radio Future. I I know that for a fact, but. I would say I would listen to this if I played Jet Set Radio, <laughs> if that counts, <laughs> which I know it does not. Um, I don't know. I don't recall uh, this song with Jet Set Radio, but like I said, I could be wrong. I'm not as well-versed with the first game as I am with Future. So... That, that unmistakable do-do-do-do. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... It okay. sounds very. I it mean. sounds very Hideki Naganuma. I know, <laughs> I know. But he does so many songs for so many games. That's the thing. Uh, yeah, That's the thing. could be someone trying to emulate his style. As well. I'm gonna I don't know. say, um, I feel like it's not in Jet Set Radio, but I'm gonna say yes because I will listen to this play in Jet Set Radio One. So final answer, so yes. A loaded answer, but yes. <laughs> Your answer is incorrect. Yay. This is Super Monkey Ball uh, <laughs> Banana Blitz. Nice. Actually, is it Banana Blitz? Let me just check. It's one of the Super Monkey Balls. Yes, Banana Blitz. Yeah. I'm kind of glad to hear I'm wrong about that one because <laughs> then it's fun knowing that music from Jet Set Radio inspired more music like that for so but many But this is games. Hideki Naganuma as well, by the way. Yeah. So, yes, Ice Smooth Sherbet is the name of the track. Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz. Okay, but it's it's Hideki, so it's hard to, yeah. you know, to know for sure. So many songs. Okay. Number nine. Shall we keep going with number nine? Yeah. yeah. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Hmm. 
Sorry, I know I'm giving lots of silence right now, but it feels... Uh, people are used to it in this part of the show. Okay, okay, that's good. <laughs> um, that and crying. Yeah, that's that's happening too. Um, <laughs> eternally, eternally. <laughs> um, it very much sounds Jet Set Radio-esque, which I know that's the whole point of all of these songs. So... Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, No. The question is, is it? Jet it is not just at Radio Future, that is for sure. I will say okay. that. Um, it could be Jet Set Radio. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to say I'm just gonna Follow say your no. Gut. I'm just gonna say no to the songs that I know for sure I have not heard on Jet Set Radio, but that does not mean they're not in there. <laughs> if that makes sense. Because I probably didn't hear all of them playing the game all the way through. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Okay. You're going to say no. Yes. This song is called Back to Back. Okay. It's a Hideki Naganuma song. That part felt very clear, yes. Okay. <laughs> it's from a game called Sonic Rush. So Ooh. not Jesse Radio. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Final song. Number 10. Ready? Let's go. Okay, Martinez. For glory. For yes. grace or glory. Let's for go. Grace or glory. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Jet Set underrated Radio Future. Too. So underrated. So underrated. I think so, yeah. Yes. I'm going to say Watching yes. Watching the Jet documentary, I, I realized how underrated this is. Yeah, it's so good. There's so many underrated tracks on this soundtrack. Yes. It's it's a crime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, the answer yes. is? Yes. 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 Of course. Buck Fresh from Jet Set yes. Radio Future. 8 for 10, I think. Oh, Okay. Yeah, okay. so that's a, an amazing score. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Richard Jakes has a really funny story about Bach Fresh that I wasn't able to put in the documentary that I do want to share later on, but it's about how he titled that song because I was mm -hmm. really curious. I'm like, what does this mean? Like, what is this name? You know? Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be the same with me telling the story, but I can give the, the overall gist and you guys can stay tuned and hear from him later. But Basically, he was saying it was a kind of a mix between the brand name Box Fresh and um, one of his friends that he grew up with was really into like the, this really niche um, arcade fighting game. I don't remember what it was called, but apparently one of the characters in that game, he would have like a little speech bubble that would pop up and he always said Bach, like B-O-K. And so he kind of mixed that with the brand name Box Fresh. And okay. I thought that was pretty silly. Interesting. That's a nice story. <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking about that when I was, again, when I was watching the documentary. Never thought about this. Why did it call, why did he call this Box Fresh? What's yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. Because all the other songs have, you know, more, you know, uh, names that make sense yeah, a yeah. bit. But this one, yeah, okay, that's nice. That's a nice story. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and so you get our coveted Sega Lounge seal of approval. Well done. 
Well done. Thank goodness. I would be ashamed if I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for, uh, you know, being a good sport and and taking on the, the Sega Lounge Challenge. Of course. Thank you for uh, going a little easy on me. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, everything in reverse. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. Uh, we're, we're close to the end of our, of our little chat. But uh, one of the, 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 the purposes of this interview is for people to actually, who haven't watched this, to go and watch it. But let's say they need a little more incentive What's your best elevator pitch for this uh, amazing documentary about Chet's Radio Fitch? Um, I wouldn't really say it's a pitch, but more of an invitation to uh, join me in uncovering some untold stories about the making of the game and its soundtrack and the overall global lasting impact it's had. Uh, over the last 20 years, and especially given that it's been locked away on a console for 20 years. Like, literally the only way you can play it is if you somehow go find original Xbox, find a copy of the game, or if you emulate it. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of crazy to me how a game so limited in accessibility is still so relevant. So, yeah, I would say it's more of an invitation. If that sounds interesting to you, if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, different uh, music genres, niche music genres from Japan, or a little history lesson about funk, uh, definitely give it a watch. It's a, it's a fun watch. Uh, if anything, go in for a fun nostalgia trip. Definitely. For the tunes as well. So. You'll enjoy yes. yourself for sure. Yes. Plenty nice. of Tumelo and Hideki Naganuma music throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I really think you you were able to, while not having uh, interviews with uh, the creators themselves, right? But you were able to get to a point where you reasonably explain the the, the feelings and the thoughts behind the the creation of this this game, which is not just a game, but and and I, I think I realized that more than ever that this was really a big influence in many people's lives, and uh, like you said, it's sort of an escape from other problems, and uh, also a lesson in being yourself, uh, you know, free speech, and those things that are so important in the world right now as well. Definitely, definitely recommended. One last thing I would say is just uh, definitely all of that. But one of the main things to me that makes this game, uh, that makes Jet Set Radio Future a masterpiece is not that it is perfect because I know it is not perfect. It has so it does have flaws. It has imperfections, but it's the intent behind the game development in such a short period of time, like to create something like this within like a near two year time frame is insane to me. I, I, I still do not comprehend it. <laughs> so <laughs> that to me, the intent, the care, the attention to detail, that's what makes it a masterpiece to me. I hope it does for you as well. But even if not, you know, I hope people have fun watching the documentary or I hope it at least inspires some people to go out and try to play it or try to get in contact with Sega and tell them, hey, why has there never been a port for this game? This game is so cool. <laughs> you know, that that's that's the main takeaway I hope um 
happens with this is that mm-hmm. it gets some movement for Sega to get the attention of the Jetset Radio Future fan base. But we'll see. So, you, obviously, we're speculating. There's rumors, nothing else. But if you could choose between having the game uh, like ported to current consoles or PC, like an HD remaster or something, or just a straight-up port, or a sequel, which one would you choose? Mm, is this taking into account the recent potential leaks or not taking into account that? Let me know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> if, it was taking, if it was taking into account the most recent potential leaks, I would much rather have a port or remaster or remake of future, at least mm-hmm. a port, just because it would show that they are acknowledging the game's existence because otherwise it goes Jet Set Radio, Jet Set Radio Future, Jet Set Radio port to a number of consoles, and then a potential reboot of the first game, still ignoring Jet Set Radio Future. Um, But aside from the leaks, uh, if it were to be something completely new, another remix of that universe, I would be 100% on board for that, Um, even if it meant not having a port for future. Um, but yeah, if it was a matter of like reboot versus port for future, I would much rather have a port, but that said, even if a port doesn't happen and it is a reboot of the first game, I feel like one that will open a door potentially for a reboot or remake of future later on, Mm -hmm. or, um, number two, that would also keep this game as underrated as it is not that it deserves to be but it would keep the same spirit it would be untouched still so either way you know it's fine i'm just glad this game exists you know as long as future is accessible in one way or another that's all that matters to me Mm -hmm. yeah and that's a good point a a remix would be interesting right so um would be another option to do for Jetset Radio Future, what Jetset mm-hmm. Radio Future did for Jetset Radio. Exactly, Maybe yeah. another reimagining uh, in a way, right? That would be, yeah. could be, potentially could be interesting if done right. Yes. And by and the right I, people as well. I will add too that um, some of the content that didn't make it into the documentary that I will try to get into the upcoming docuseries uh, does discuss with Marty James and Richard Jakes and some artists who were inspired by the game, what would a soundtrack sound like for a new Jet Set Radio considering it is the future now? Like literally (laughs) next year is the year that Jet Set Radio Future takes place in. So I think it's really fascinating to think about what the creative process could be like for the new soundtrack, the new just style, the gameplay, everything. Um, honestly, I feel like a remix is the safest approach because then you go in with no expectations, something completely new, but hopefully also still relevant to today. So yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Fun stuff, fun stuff. Lots of potential for this series, for sure. And I think people are hungry for more. Exactly. Yes. There's yes. too much potential. It is a crime how much this this series has uh, 
been kind of like swept under the rug. And Mm -hmm. one of the main reasons why I chose Jet Set Radio Future for this documentary was specifically because it it has not had the same amount of attention and like spotlight put on it as the first game. And when Sega even ever tries to acknowledge the series or kind of pay homage to it, whether it be a character cameo or a skin somewhere or whatever. Uh, it's always the first game. It's never anything from the second game <laughs> as, as far as I know. Uh, yeah, for I the mean, most I part. mean, to be fair in the, the all stars games, they did include like tracks inspired by the That's second true. game and, yeah. and tra- songs, but That's you know, true, even, yeah. even merchandise, like, yeah, uh, merchandise, like, uh, statues, yeah. and stuff. It's always the the original beat. Yes, like, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Which never like the future versions. It, that's fine. Like I have respect for the first game. I just feel like the I feel like Jet Set Radio Future deserves way more recognition than mm-hmm. it has received. You know. Yeah. But yeah. I do. I did appreciate the uh, the tracks in uh, All Stars Racing, and uh, Richard Jakes even talked a little bit about how apparently there's like. Um, alternate versions of songs that he made for Jet Set Radio Future that mm-hmm. are in that game as well. Uh, so yeah, that was awesome. But I just I wish there was more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people are hungry for more, for more Jet Set Radio Future. Definitely, we're so starving. Sega, we're starving, Sega. Sega, please <laughs> feed us. Save the children of Sega. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so okay, um, we always have the same last question, right? So blast processing, which is a real powerful thing. So if mm-hmm. you could add blast processing to anything in the world, what would it be and why? So basically, to apply it to something to make it uh, greater than it already is, exactly, or just great, more innovative. Okay, for example, I would say imagination. I feel like blast processing, if that could if that could be applied to imagination in some form of like, um, I don't know, some kind of addition to our imagination to enhance it, to amplify it, to speed up the process, I think that would be incredible, especially if it was accessible to everybody. And I feel like artificial intelligence right now is kind of like giving us a platform for that in a lot of different ways. It's a kind of a holding our hand as we do our creative work in certain aspects. But um, yeah, I would say probably imagination. I think that would be really cool. That's a great answer. Fun story. I uh, Earlier today, I asked ChatGPD, if you could add blast processing to anything <laughs> in the world, what would it be and why? Uh, obviously, it said I have no preference because I am just a, an AI. Oh <laughs> but but potentially you could add it to it said like to the medical field to lots of uh, stuff. So mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so maybe maybe we'll do that. I'll I'll have that as a, a suggestion for future guests. Go to ChatGPT and ask for a suggestion for from from the AI. To, yeah, for as a, of an answer to this question, maybe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely noted. <laughs> yeah, okay. So people can find you, okay, uh, on the interwebs. Obviously, links will be in the the description of 
the show notes of this podcast. Uh, but very briefly, how can people find you? Where can people find you? What can people expect from the future? You already mentioned some of the things you're working on, but... Sure. Uh, so my handle on most platforms is K is they, and that's K-A-Y-I-S-T-H-E-Y. Uh, you can also go to kaysthey.com, and that's a pretty good directory towards um, where I'm at online. And it also has on the front page the documentary, so you can just click it straight from there and watch it either there or you know, uh, jump to YouTube and do it there. But um, aside from that... I am a full-time student, so I am juggling school at the same time of doing creative projects. Uh, but thankfully, being fully online has allowed me to put more time into creative projects. So future things that I'll be working on will definitely be some kind of docu-series uh, talking about not just Jet Set Radio Future, but the Jet Set Radio series as a whole. Um, it will be a limited docu-series um, just for now. And aside from that, I do plan on making more feature-length documentaries about other stories that I or communities consider to be masterpieces. Excellent. There's also a Patreon, right? Yeah, there uh, is a Patreon. I, I will be honest, I have not really had a following altogether so I created that a long time ago, and I have not paid attention to it in a while. <laughs> but I'm, I think it's about time I go back and, uh, you know, update it a little bit. But a Patreon does exist, and I will mm -hmm. be putting a little bit more effort into that as well. Excellent. There's also Fiverr as well, so people can hire you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, so And send money your way as well. Yes. Definitely. So uh, aside from being a full-time student and working on creative projects, I am open for hire with video editing, etc. Uh, I do a lot of different multimedia work, everything from digital illustration to video editing, now doing B-roll and Unreal Engine 5, things like that. Um, and I would love to collaborate with people on creative projects as well. So always open to that. Excellent. So people go send K some money. Yeah. <laughs> Ask for help on your projects as well. K, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm really, uh, really, I, I'm a fan of this documentary, I have to say. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect, to be completely honest. When I, That's fair. When we were talking <laughs> before we, we started recording. I was talking of how I found out about this through Reddit uh, randomly. And I was really sure what this would turn out to be in the end, and it turned out great. So congratulations, and hopefully we'll have more conversations about masterpieces in the, the future as well. Thank you so much. I really put my heart and soul into this thing. And like I said, if anything, it's a fun nostalgia trip. So I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. For sure, for sure. Thank you so much for coming. All right. Thank you for having me.
I hope you enjoyed this interview with Kay Martinez, and if you haven't watched their documentary yet, I urge you to do so ASAP. Masterpieces Jesset Radio Future is available to watch on Kay's YouTube channel, and you'll find a direct link to it on the show notes. And be sure to subscribe to their channel so you don't miss more JSRF content coming soon. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be taking a break next week, so don't be surprised if your feed doesn't get updated. But the Sega Lounge will reopen on the second week of May. Until then, feel free to catch up on previous episodes, and please consider leaving the show a review on our website or your podcast app, as that helps us spread the good word about the lounge to the masses. I wish you all a great week, go get funky and documentary, and I'll see you all next time. Bye bye The Sega Lounge, hosted by me, KC, and part of Radio Sega's network of live shows and podcasts. Theme song and incidental music by OSC. Find them at opusciencecollective.bandcamp.com. Got any suggestions? Drop me an email to podcast at thesegalounge.com. Find us at The Sega Lounge on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find previous episodes of the show by going to thesegalounge.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. A Mixed On Productions podcast.